There are a lot of songs about the change that takes place when you get saved. We sing this. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. There's a scripture song we used to sing when we were teenagers that said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That's from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. My family sings a song that says, Lord, thank you for being so good to me. I'm not the same person that I used to be. There's a song that I don't know if our teenagers sing it, but it's a it's common youth group song. It says, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Every one of those songs talks about the change that takes place when you get saved. And I'm glad they do. That's... that's uh, that, that ought to be the case. Hey, if, if you're no different than you were before you put your faith in Christ, something wrong. But I want you to notice that you should also be a different person than you were just a few years ago. If you've been saved 30 years, you should be a different person than you were 25 years ago. You should be a different person than you were 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Hey, I don't care how long you've been saved. You've been saved 50 years. You should still be a different person than you were five years ago. Have you been saved a couple of years, Christian? You should be a different person than you were a year ago. You should be a different person than you were a month ago. You should be a different person than you were last week at this time. Why? Because you should be growing. What changes us? Pastor, you said I should be a different person. I should be changed from even what I was a week ago. What changes us? Well, we just read Galatians 2.20. We sang Galatians 2.20. And Galatians 2.20 tells us what changes us. Here's what it said. Christ liveth in me. Let's do the whole verse again. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you thought I meant for you to say that verse with me? How many of you weren't sure if I meant that? Okay, I wasn't sure either, so I'm with the not sure. But good job, those of you that took the initiative and jumped in. That was awesome. Listen to John 14, verses 19 and 20. Jesus is talking. Because I live, ye shall live also. I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Jesus lives in me. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Listen to Colossians 1, verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of of glory. So listen. I change because I grow. And I grow because every day Christ 
lives in me more and more. Okay? Now, wherever your brain's at, I'm going to ask you to focus right here. Okay? I'm going to say that again. And the best you can, try to take it in. Ready? I change because I grow. And I grow because every day, Jesus Christ lives in me more and more. Now, let me show you an amazing contrast to that. This to me is just, I love this. Tonight, as we continue to talk about Bible doctrine, we continue to talk about the attributes of God. One of the attributes of God tonight that we're going to be talking about is the, here we go, big word, the immutability of God. And all immutability means is God does not change. God never changes. Okay? So stay with me for a second. We're changing all the time because we're growing. And we're growing because Christ lives in us more and more every day. If if we're letting him. But God never changes and it's because God never grows. Listen, to change, you either have to go to becoming a little bit better than you are, or to change, you have to become a little bit lesser or worse than you are. Now, we know God's not getting worse, but God can't get better, He's already perfect. A perfect God, an omnipotent God, uh, uh, an omniscient God, an omnipresent God. There's no growth possible. So since God can't grow, God can't change. Now there's a preview of tonight's message. But it's a contrast to why we must change. Growth means change. That is an an, an, an It's an inevitable principle of life. Growth means change. Now, not all change is growth, but all growth requires change. So God never changes because God never grows. But if we are going to grow, and we're supposed to be growing, if we're going to grow of necessity, we will change. So let's keep going. Why, why, why should I be a different person today than I was a week ago? Because I should have been growing this week. We're supposed to be growing all the time. If you grew this week spiritually, then you're not the same person that you were a week ago. The change may not be totally measurable. Now, maybe your change from a year ago is measurable. But your change from a week ago may not be measurable. It may not be traceable, but it should at least have happened. And we change because we grow. Now listen. There is a difference. Listen carefully. When the Bible says Christ lives in me. Listen carefully. There is a difference between Christ owns me and Christ lives in me. I'm afraid that when we say, yeah, yeah. 
Jesus lives in me. I think what we mean most of the time is he owns me. He he has taken occupancy officially. He is the official owner. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and Jesus officially owns and technically he occupies my being. That's all good. That's all scriptural. That's all awesome. But that is just the very beginning of Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me means he is living his life in me. He's alive in me. We have a house right down the road from our house. We have lived in our house Oh, let's see. It'll be uh, 12 years. We bought our house 12 years ago this September. And I got to tell you, the whole time we have lived where we have lived, I do not ever remember seeing anybody in this house or in this yard. I've never, I don't ever remember seeing a car in the yard. It, uh, it stands. It, uh, you know, it, it looks, the crazy thing is, it looks maintained. It's, it, this is not like a haunted house or something. Uh, you know, the old Jones place and throw a rock in a window. And I, no, it's not like that. It doesn't look abandoned. It's just that you never, ever, ever see anybody there. Okay, how long has this snow been on the ground? Whenever, whenever the, oh, that was at, uh, what, it'll be two weeks this Tuesday? The snow in this driveway is still hasn't been plowed and there's no footprints in it. So even though this, this little house on the corner right down the hill from us, it, it looks like somebody, yeah, somebody, I mean, somebody owns it. But you never see anybody there. Okay, there's the difference between possessing it, possessing a house, and living in the house. I'm afraid when we say, yeah, Jesus lives in me, what we mean is, yeah, he owns me. My body belongs to him. My, my life belongs to him. But what we don't mean and what the Bible does mean and what we should mean is that every day Jesus is alive in my life. Listen. I would drive by that house, and I'm not going to keep going back to it. This is the last time I'll reference it. I would drive by that house and say, nobody lives there. That would be my assumption. Nobody lives there. There's nobody coming out of that house going to work every day. There's nobody coming out of that house going to school every day. Nobody lives there. That would be my guess. But somebody owns it. If people look at your life every day and they would never guess that Jesus is alive in your life, he may own you, but he doesn't live there. Now, it's not about the show. I'm not, no, it's not about the show. But sometimes the, the, the testimony or the show is a good indication of whether or not he really lives in us. And if people look at me and look at you and, and that there's, they would never guess that Jesus lives there, he may own you. You may be saved, but he's not living there. 
And again, I'm not talking about where he is. I'm talking about him living his life in you, being active, being alive and well. My question to you today, is Jesus active, alive, and well in your life? If he is, you're becoming more like Christ. And if you're becoming more like Christ, you're growing. And if you're growing, you're changing. What I'm going to show you right now, though, and we're almost to our destination of the truth of this message. What I'm going to show you right now is how to let Christ live in you every day. Christ living in you. Boy, so many times when we talk about Jesus living in us, we right away go to our actions, what we do. When the actions are just the manifestation of Jesus living in us. I want Jesus to live in me every day, so I'm going to pass out 25 tracks every day. Okay, you skipped a step right there. If Christ is alive and well in your life, he will lead you to get the word out. But getting the word out does not necessarily mean he lives in you. I want Jesus to live in me, so I'm going to encourage everybody I talk to. Now, you ought to encourage everybody you talk to. You ought to be an encourager, not a discourager. But listen, I know people that don't even believe in God who try to encourage people. It doesn't mean Christ lives in you. So how do you get Christ to live in you? I'm going to show you from the Bible. And i got to tell you, it takes a little bit of work. Nothing, nothing in your life ever improves without some sort of effort. And so it's going to take a little effort, but it's not hard effort. It's effort that will lead you to the destination that we're talking about, the destination of Jesus being alive and well and thriving in your life so that he can produce growth, and that growth equals change. Listen carefully. Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is very well known, especially the first part of it, is very well known for being the chapter where we learn about the vine and the branches. We're not going to talk about the vine and the branches this morning, but that's, that's the uh, core teaching here. It's also very well known, John chapter 15, the verse part, as being the the passage where Jesus talks about abiding in Christ. And both of these concepts are taught in this passage. So you're in John chapter 15, and I just want to read a few statements in each verse, all right? And you follow along as I read. Look at John chapter 15, verse number 4, all right? And here's what it says. Abide in me... And I in you. Right? So Jesus said, whatever it means, he says, you abide in me and let me abide in you. So can we change that word abide to live and understand it means essentially the same thing. You live in me. Let me live in you. You got that? Very clear. Couldn't be clearer. All right. Look at verse 5. We're not going to read the whole verse, but just this part. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, 
Ye are the branches. Here we go again. He that abideth in me and I in him. All right, so there we have the same concept again. Verse 4, you're living in me, I'm living in you. Verse 5, you're living in me, I'm living in you. Let me show you something amazing here. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Verse 4 said, If I abide in you. Verse 5 said, If I abide in you. Verse 7 says, If my words abide in you. How many think Jesus changed the subject there? He didn't. Do you know what you just learned in those three verses in the very same context, very same passage, very same discourse? That for the words of Jesus, for the word of God, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and you read the whole chapter and you find that very clearly that that word is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God. What you learn from John chapter 15, verses 4, 5, and 7, is that when the Word of God is living in you, Jesus is living in you. You abide in me. Okay, let's go back to live just for clarity. You live in me, I live in you. Verse 5, you live in me, I live in you. Verse 7, you live in me, my words live in you. And Jesus stating it that way is confirming that God's words alive and well in us are the equivalent of Jesus living in us. Now, when I asked you the question, did Jesus live in you this week? Maybe it wasn't clear to you when you said, you know, technically yes, but... Alive and well, I don't know. That's, uh, you know, that's sort of uh, subjective. I'm not sure how you want to. But when I ask you the question, did his words live in you this week? You know if they did or if they didn't. Were his words alive and active in your heart this week. If they weren't, Christ was not alive and well in you. Oh, he, his, na- his name is on the deed. He owns you. You're the body, he's the temple, the Holy Ghost. All, that's all true and it doesn't change once you're saved. But was he actually living, alive and well, living in your life? That's determined by the answer to this question. Were his words alive and active in your heart this week? Let's keep going here. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Hey, we are real close to the end of this message. Great news. That's awesome, isn't it? Colossians chapter 3. I would remind you, close is a relative term. But anyway, Colossians chapter 3. 
God's Word living in me is exactly the same thing as Jesus living in me. If you were to take anything home with you this morning, if I could choose, that would be what I would choose. That statement right there, taking into its its embrace all of the scriptures that we have looked at and are going to look at. God's Word living in me. God's Word alive and well in me is exactly the same thing as Jesus being alive and well in me. Colossians 3 verse number 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I would suggest to you, based upon John 15, that if we took out the Word of from that verse and said, let Christ dwell in you richly, there wouldn't be an ounce of difference in the meaning. It's just that when we put the word of, it's more specific and it's more instructive. Let, and I'm not suggesting it should be changed. I'm not suggesting those words are superfluous. I am suggesting to you that Jesus is the word of God. And when the Word of God is alive and well and vibrant in your heart, Jesus is alive and well and vibrant in your heart. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Turn to Psalm 119. And it's the last verse that we'll look at. And it's a very, very famous verse, but I want you to see it nonetheless. Psalm 100, verse number 19. Did I say Psalm 100, verse number 19? I totally misspoke right there. Psalm chapter 119, Psalm 119, Psalm 119. Two things wrong with that. First of all, that's not where I wanted you to go. And number two, Psalm 100 doesn't have 19 verses in it. So Psalm 119, Psalm 119, longest chapter in the entire Bible. Verse number 11, you know this. Psalm 119, verse number 11, read this verse out loud with me. Ready? Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay? Very well-known statement. I believe that uh, David wrote this chapter. That's my opinion. And, and uh, very well-known statement. And this verse is often used for Scripture memory, memory and rightly so. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Hey, young people, memorize Scripture. And by the way, old people too. I remember when I was a kid and uh, people say, you know, you're young now and your brains are in great shape and you can memorize Scripture. Now me, I'm nearly 50 years old and the old brain doesn't work quite like it used to. All right? Now I'm on the other side of that line. I'm about as close to 50 years old as you can get without being there. And I remember I memorized, by the grace of God, two or three verses this past week. So I can tell you, what I knew when I was 10, that's bunk. I shouldn't admit that. I'm sitting there as a 10-year-old going, that's bunk. That's bunk. I'll get, to, I'll get to 50 and I'll show you that's bunk. I'm here and I'm proving it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I just heard Brother Doug Fisher preach this past week, and he said, preachers don't say bless God. That's, uh, so I, I, I just, you heard me stumble right there i got to find a new expression. Buy cracky. <laughs> Buy cracky. I'm here and I proved it. <laughs> Thy word have I hid in my heart. Listen. Absolutely, the first step to, to hiding God's word in your heart is, is memorizing it. But 
Having it in your heart goes deeper than that. Here's, here's we're, we're, we're at the finish line right here. Christ lives in you. When you consciously bring His Word to life in your heart. Now, memorization of God's Word, and I've done, I'm no walking Bible. I, you know, there's people that have memorized the entire Bible. There's people that have memorized the entire New Testament. When I was a kid, I thought I might be able to do that, and I'm standing before you tonight, or this morning, this morning, telling you I failed. I didn't come close. I know a little bit of Scripture. And really, I'm not saying that to sound, you know, pious. I know a little bit of, no, I know a little bit of Scripture. So I am not downplaying memorization of Scripture. But memorization of Scripture is simply putting it in your head. Every day of your life, you need to consciously take some portion of Scripture and put it in your heart. Can I... Can I use a word that we don't use much, but I, but I don't think any other word in the English language says it. You need to take a verse and ponder that verse. Ponder. Yeah, we, that's not a, it's not one we use all the time, is it? It means to think it through. To really deeply consider what... And by the way, ponder that verse in communion with Christ. So it's not just John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. What does that mean? What does that mean? Now, I can sit myself and say, what does that mean? Or I can say to the Lord, Lord, what does that mean? Open my eyes. Open the windows of my soul. Show me the wonders. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And you ponder that. Lord, that's you. You're the Word. Show me, show me what that, show me the riches of your person by helping me to understand. What, what does that mean? You ponder that in communication with Jesus Christ. And listen, when you take out a verse, and ponder that verse in communion with Christ. At that moment, Christ lives in you. Again, we're not talking about who owns you or even who possesses you. We're talking about who is alive and well. When you take out a verse and you ponder that verse in communication with Jesus Christ during that time, and I think even beyond that time, because, hey, we got to get about our business. we got to live our lives. But we all have breaks throughout the day. Nobody's, nobody's living, you know, 18-hour days where every second of every minute of every hour you have no break time. No, nobody, you're not living that way, neither am I. We all have breaks. And some of those breaks you want to take a nap. Some of those breaks you want to have a snack. But can we not use some of those breaks to 
cause a verse of Scripture to live in our hearts. To ponder a passage in communication with Christ. And during those times that that verse comes to life in your heart, Christ is alive and well in your life. You do that, you're going to grow. You're going to change. Now, let me get extremely practical for just a minute. Say, Pastor, I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a great memory. You know, Scott Canals, who says, I've, I've uh, fried more brain cells than most people have. I get that everybody's memory is not the same. But let me introduce you to a magic little tool here, an index card. You take a three-by-five card. I think that a pack of 100 of these are less than, a, less than $2 probably. Maybe they've gone up. You take one of these, and in the morning when you read your Bible, God shows you a verse that speaks to your heart. You write it down on this, and you stick this in your pocket. And you don't have to memorize it. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. And throughout the day, when you get one of those breaks, and you can do this while you're eating your lunch, you pull out that card. Don't do it while you're driving. Even at a traffic light in Danbury, they got your picture if you do that. You pull out that card, and you take just a line. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. And maybe you're trying to memorize it, maybe you're not, but you're pondering it in communication with God. Jesus, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. What does that mean? Show me the glories of your word. When Jesus said, if ye abide in me, okay, abide in me and I in you. Then he said, abide in me and I in you. Then two verses later, he said, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you. What is he telling us? He's telling us there's no difference between me living in you and my words are living, living in you. But it's not just being stored. It doesn't just say, let my words be stored in you. It's my words being alive. And if they're going to be alive in your heart at any given moment, you're going to have to make that happen. Oh, I say, Pastor, come on. You're an old goat. Nobody carries papers around anymore. I'm glad you brought that up. Pull out your smartphone. Oh, I would never look at my phone in church. Oh, come on. You've been checking out Facebook since I started preaching, so don't pretend that. (laughs) Pull out your smartphone. It's amazing. You know, people, you know, post stuff on Sunday, and it says, 32 minutes ago, and you go, that was during church. (laughs) Anyway. So you take your smartphone, you go to the app store. You search Bible. And I think probably one of the first options, maybe the first, the very popular, is version. It might cost you $1.99 or something, maybe $3.99. I don't think so. I think it would be either $99 or $1.99. And, uh, I mean, come on, $1.99, that's two songs on iTunes. $1.99, you download it, you have the whole Bible on your phone. Up top... By the way, go to settings and check off King James. You don't need the other nonsense there. And then you've got the name of the book. You've got book and chapter. Okay? You hit the book you want. Let's do, we're in John, so let's go John. You hit the chapter you want, John 1. 
okay? I'm getting old. My eyes are getting weak, so I've got that big old font right there. And everybody in this room under 20 years old know how to do this. John 1, 1. No, I got the volume off. I just I wanted you to hear the sound effect of a screenshot, but it didn't work. I screenshot it now. As you know, those of you 20 years old and under, you know this. It is now not any longer in the Bible app. It is now in my photos. So anytime during the day, I can take that verse. I don't have to pull out a 3 by 5 card. So, and I can go to my photos, and I can pretend like I'm looking at pictures in case I'm a Nicodemus, you know. I can pretend like I'm looking at pictures, but really I'm not. I'm checking out that verse, and I'm pondering that verse. So whether you're an old fogey like me, I said fogey, aren't you proud of me? Whether you're an old fogey like me or a young person like my wife, (laughs) there's a method for you. For the word of God to be alive and well in your heart, and when that is happening, when you are communing with Christ by bringing his word to life in your heart, Jesus is alive and well and thriving at that moment, and you are growing and you are changing. Now, you can leave that, you can leave that here, or you can take that home and start to try it. And you can let God change you. Let me read a couple of statements from a preacher named John Owen. John Owen was a preacher in the 1600s in England, and John Owen knew God. I'm going to let John Owen summarize the message this morning. He said, if the word of God is in our hearts, Christ is near to us. If we turn at any time to converse with his word that abides in us, There we shall find him ready to receive us into communion with himself. Listen to this. When our minds and affections are so filled with other things that we are not ready to converse with him, we are spiritually indisposed. It ought to be a great rebuke to us when Christ has at any time in our day been long out of our hearts. Read that one more time and we'll pray. We'll be all done. If the word of God is in our hearts... Christ is near to us. If we turn at any time to converse with his word that abides in us, there we shall find him ready to receive us into communion with himself. When our minds and affections are so filled with other things that we are not ready to converse with him, we are spiritually indisposed. It ought to be a great rebuke to us when Christ has at any time of the day been long out of our hearts. Let's stand together this morning.